It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm here with Joe and special guest straight out of Seattle, Danny <laughs> Kelly of The Ringer. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. How's it going? It's going great. Nice to talk to you again. I haven't seen you since, uh, or talked to you really, you know, heard your voice since the Senior Bowl. I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about uh, Jonah Williams? Oh, shit. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, not, we got jokes. Starting it off with the joke. And not even <laughs> not even the most recent either. So I appreciate that. At least he went for the one that's Start not still there, yeah. very fresh. You right. know? Oh, man. The sign but, uh, yeah. on the yeah. on the office right here says two days without a, a catastrophic injury. <laughs> so we're doing good. Oh, man, I'm sorry, fellas. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, John Ross is... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I thought you were seriously about to give me an update, like a positive one. You well, he's on the rehab field, so, I mean, he's still on the rehab field, I should say. He was there. He lives there. Yesterday, too, I think. Dark Denard made his way into the rehab field today. That's some news before practice was canceled after five minutes due to lightning. There's like five <laughs> former first-round picks on the rehab field right now. <laughs> At least. At least. <laughs> oh my gosh you guys are like it's just like shell shock right now for both of you yeah i think we're so used to it at this point after the last four years aj green's missed about a full season and it, what the worst part is it's been two of his like when he's missed major time it's two of his best probably career years and because of it now i was talking to jake about this uh, a couple of days ago Looking at Chad Johnson's numbers versus A.J. Green's numbers, they're, they're at the same point in their careers. And I was floored that Chad was beating him in a lot of areas or, or even close to him. And to me, oh, interesting. I, you know, I'm like, Green is a superior player. And Chad was great. But right. Green, it should be like a Hall of Famer. <clears throat> and I, I never thought Chad was for sure. Maybe if he would have had a few more years at the end of his career. But point being is I just looked at it and I said, wow. And it's really all because of the, the time wiped out from his yeah. best years. Yeah, Chad was yeah. healthy. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, on the clock in a, in a fantasy football draft earlier today, and in the I think it was the first pick of the fifth round, mm-hmm. and A.J. Green was sitting there on the board, and I did not take him because oh. it makes me it makes me so nervous. Like like like, I mean, fifth like you were saying, though. I know, and it would, it's it's probably going to end up being an amazing value for. I think he went a couple picks later. Actually, Tyler Boyd went off the board before him. Uh, I would so that's pretty that at this point. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know you're looking at 
his history over the last few seasons, and it's just really kind of concerning. Is is he going to be able to kind of bounce back from this and, and get back to the player that he has been throughout his career? Or, you know, is it just kind of one of those things that 31-year-old receiver just never kind of the same as what he used to be? So I, I'm really, really hoping, uh, you know, obviously that he can get back because he's been one of the most fun receivers in the NFL to watch. But, um, man, it's it's just a little bit concerning for sure. Yeah, and we were just mentioning Chad. He fell off the cliff at 31, and that was it for him. He went to um, and you see, Yeah, sure. And he went, and he had his other issues, right? But uh, point. I mean, like Demarius Thomas, you know, guys like that. They just all right. They just hit the other side of 30, and they're just not only are they not the same player, but it's hard for them to even stay on the field at some point. I hope oh, that's yeah. not what we're looking at. I mean, just it's a grind, and it's a it's a position that's very physical and you know, speed oriented, quickness oriented, obviously. So, I know it's just kind of crazy how quickly some of these guys fall off a cliff. Yeah, Demarius Thomas is another good example because, you know, he had some dominant, dominant years. And now he's, like, on the roster bubble in New England. Uh, On the very brief bits we saw from A.J. Green in that first day of camp, because it was on NFL Networks, we actually got to watch some of it. He looked good. He looked just like A.J. Green to me until until he got hurt. Yeah, and I mean, he was looking like it's going to be one of the biggest fantasy steals. Like, not to take everything back to fantasy, but... Um, it felt like his ADP was super low until until his injury. So yeah, like yeah. third round, right? Yeah, I think it, it was. I was expecting him him to have like a major bounce back, get back to be a tight end or to to be a wide receiver one, and and kind of like you know get back to where he was before. But yeah, this really kind of puts a damper on that. I think that now is the perfect time <clears throat> to draft AJ Green because he's going to miss you know the first couple games of the season, but he's going to rehab right. He's going to come back healthy at least. That's what I'm telling myself right now. This is me right. talking myself right. into it a little bit. But if I mean, you get if AJ you can Green trust the any team, round, it's the it's the Bengals to get him back <laughs> where he needs to be, right? No, no, you can't. <laughs> Just look at the last 48. Why hours do you hurt us like this, man? Of the reports, I'm right? sorry. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it was all of uh, what was it? Uh, it was a low ankle sprain. He might just be a few weeks too. Oh, he had a little procedure done. Uh, He'll be fine for week one, too. Yep, they found something in there. They got to clean it up, and he's going to miss at least a couple games, too. Even Zach Taylor was like, we hope to have him in the first half of the season. Didn't they have, didn't today or yesterday, didn't they have sort of like a thing where they were like, actually, maybe it's not as bad as we thought, and then it it is actually bad. Right away, it came out, (laughs) it was reported that it was a low ankle sprain, and we were like, okay, yeah, low ankle sprain at worst eight weeks. And that's what it was. It was reported six to eight weeks. And then it was reported, yeah, he's going for a second opinion. And then it was reported, <laughs> no surgery. And then like five minutes later, Ian Rappaport's like, oh, yeah, by the way, he had a cleanup procedure done. And then Zach Taylor in his press conference today said, yeah, he had a little surgery this morning. They they found some stuff in there. He might a be out a little surgery. bit longer. Right. Yeah. Just a little surgery. <laughs> Nothing, guys. Just cut uh, you open. You know, well, if it makes you guys feel any better, I'm a Seahawks fan, as you know, and... Uh, their first-round pick, LJ Collier, uh, went down with an ankle injury today yeah. as well. Right. Uh, they don't have hardly anyone on the defensive line anymore, so it's going to be interesting. When uh, isn't the Bengals are week one for the Seahawks too? It I think, right one. in Seattle, so, and that's Jaron Reed is also out, correct? Yeah. So, so the Seahawks have just about zero pass rush because uh, Ezekiel Alonso was their big signing this offseason, and yeah. his timeline is still very much up in the air. So you know what though. Uh, the Can Bengals' offensive line bit. is not very good. <laughs> that should be it's interesting. Gonna be, it's going to be Keystone Cops in the trenches. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think so. 
you know, you're normally like, oh, man, look at this matchup right here. You know, you got two good guys going at it. It's the exact opposite here. We're going to look at it and go, what are they doing? Are, they, is, are any of them winning or is the other side just losing? Yeah. Is that the, oh, weak, point, the weak point for the Seahawks is the D-line right now? Oh, yeah, I would say so for sure. I mean, obviously, there's question marks in the secondary as well. The defense overall is just a big question mark. Um, outside of the linebacker position, their linebackers are elite. I think they're one of the best linebacker groups in the NFL. But um, defensive line, huge question marks. Uh, and the secondary, obviously, after losing Earl Thomas, is a is a major question mark going forward. So uh, it, Seahawks, I, it, they're obviously in the P. Carroll era. The Seahawks have kind of been known for being – um, this team that goes through like defensive slogs and it's very low scoring and all that. But um, this season could be maybe a little bit different just based on the lack of talent and lack of experience on the defense. It could be some shootouts. So that could be kind of interesting to see. This is the year they have Russell Wilson in fantasy then, huh? Yeah, this, well, maybe. Yeah. This is the year that they might have to have him just kind of like take over finally. Right. Who's so, running we'll the see. ball in Seattle these days? Uh, Chris Carson is the. I guess presumptive starter and then Rashad Penny, who was their first round pick uh, last season uh, is kind of going to be like the one B for them. I'm personally a big like Carson fan. I think Carson is far and away the better player and, and and a very, very good player. Um, We'll see if he can stay healthy, but um, yeah, Chris Carson to me has huge upside and I think Penny, they're going to give him some more run this season, but um, those are kind of like the one, two punch for them. I want one more question on Carson though. Carson, I I saw, I was watching, some efficiency, um, or I was reading something with efficiency rankings on running backs, and Carson was really high up there. It really took me by surprise till I looked yeah. at his stats, and I was like, wow, you know, that's maybe um, an unknown guy out there for the casual fans. I think so. I mean, it's crazy. I was actually just making my rankings for, for the Ringer's going to release our top 150 of fantasy rankings pretty soon here, I think next week. And um, I was just looking at his ADP right now, I think is RB27. And he finished last year uh, RB15 in PPR. And I think for some reason, people are just really worried that Rashad Penny's going to take his job and all that. And I think that's, you know, it's a valid concern because he was a first round pick. But man, Carson is legit good. And Pete Carroll, he was kind of Pete Carroll's, um, I don't know what you call it, like personal pick in the seventh round two years ago. And, um, no one knew about him. He was like a backup at Oklahoma State, and uh, it just kind of like no no one really knew about him. So he kind of can't he kind of busts on the scene out of nowhere. But he's really really um, powerful runner. Like he he trucks guys, and that's like typical of the Seahawks. What they look for, um, you know, he's the kind of guy who's who's super athletic. He's hurdled a couple of players over the um, over the games last season, and and just kind of. I don't know. He's a very natural pass catcher. It's really, really strange because when you look at his tape at in college, it was just it, there. There wasn't it, you couldn't really see all that. So I don't know, kind of like mm. what happened, but um, yeah, he's done really, really well. He's yeah, I think he's a really good player. So Chris Carson is a threat, I think, for the Bengals. And let's get right into the matchup. And and the reason I say he's yeah. a threat is because the Bengals have had issues and will have issues, I think, at the linebacker position. And last year, the defensive line really struggled, especially once Carl Lawson went out. Now, Carl Lawson is on track to be healthy this year. Ryan Glasgow is back. He started to have maybe a breakout year before he went down as a second defensive tackle for the Bengals. How's the offensive line looking? Am I just afraid of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? Or (laughs) is that running game actually going to be something I'm threatened by? Well, first of all, thank you for saying DK Metcalf. Because uh, (laughs) it's like in Seattle, he's sort of a... 
I think nationally overall, he's sort of a, a hot topic, like hot button guy. You know, some people think he sucks. He can't turn and all that. And then obviously some people think he's going to be amazing. I kind of, I think I fall more on the fan side, obviously, but, um, you know, I think he kind of fits perfectly in the Seahawks offense as that deep threat and that big physical matchup guy in the, in the red zone that they're going to take advantage of. I think Russell Wilson's a very, um, He's a very good anticipation passer, and that's going to match up well with Metcalf. So that's kind of an aside. But um, their offensive line is actually, and this is kind of a departure from, I guess, the last five years or so of Seattle football. It's actually not a, a major weakness anymore. I'm not going to call it a strength, but I don't see it as a huge weakness um, like it has been over the last few seasons. Um, Dwayne Brown at left tackle, they traded for him. Uh, I guess it was... Was it last year or the year year in like middle of the Two, year? Before? Yeah, I can't year and a half yeah. ago. He's he's definitely sort of stabilized that left side of the line, veteran presence, very good player. Um, and then you know Jermaine Effetti, he's sort of still a work in progress at right tackle. They declined his fifth year option, but um, I think he still does have some potential to kind of develop. He's a good run blocker, which obviously they they love. Um, his pass pro could definitely use some work. Um, DJ Fluker, they re-signed over the offseason. He's kind of this. You know, ass kicker type player, 330 pounds. They use him on on power plays and things like that. Um, and he kind of, I think they really see him as a guy that transformed the identity of their offensive line from under cable. It was more finesse. It was more like that wide zone. Guys are 295 pounds, and and you know you're asking them to get out and reach block someone like across the line. And um, now under Mike Solari, their new offensive line coach, they're doing more you know, traps and power and, and, and they've done a whole, like they, they've expanded their blocking repertoire on offense. And I think that's really been huge for them. Um, they did that a lot last year and I think they'll probably do it even more this season. They signed Mike Ayupati in the off season. Um, he's already hurt again. So I don't know if that's even going to like pan out or whatever, but they did sign a guy, Phil, Hain- or they uh, drafted a guy, Phil Haynes, um, in the draft and he's kind of an interesting guy he's, he's like a dj fluker style 330 pounds ish and, and just sort of a bruiser so they've changed their identity as a blocking team over the last like year and a half or so and so i think that's exciting because i was really just getting sick of the tom cable like mm-hmm. wide zone just didn't it just wasn't working without like marshawn lynch frankly and so um yeah it's just nice to see that so their run game is still definitely you know like one of their big strengths I would say, and and they've gotten better as a pass protecting team. I mean, Russell Wilson. I don't know if he's ever going to be the kind of quarterback that doesn't take a ton of sacks, but um, just because you know he, he tends to hold on to the ball a little longer, they call a lot of longer developing plays. Um, he's one of those guys that's not going to, you know, take the ball and try and force it into coverage too much. You know, he, he's been it's been nailed into his head to to protect the football over the years, and so takes a lot of sacks. So the, his sack numbers didn't go down necessarily, but I would say I think they're overall ability to protect him improved slightly last year so overall yeah the offensive line is kind of going in the right direction it's not it, i would i will take middling in, in in you know in that group because we've just had them we would like, take that too <laughs> i'm just anything but being the worst in the league which is what they've been over the last few years so um you know being in the middle somewhere is kind of nice we'd be thrilled with middling it sounds like yeah. the seahawks have really done like a 180 since I left Seattle. I lived there four years ago now. And when I was there, it was defense. It was throw a slant at the two-yard line. It was... Oh, <laughs> man. 
I deserve that. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think so. Um, <laughs> but but now you've got an offensive line that works. It isn't starting a guy named Sweezy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's on the Cardinals now. Thank God. And, Actually, and, he wasn't. He wasn't too bad last year, but early in his career, he was a bit of a project. Yeah. So would you say that it's a, a good summary that everything's kind of the opposite of of what the strengths were, say yeah. three four years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're. You know, every roster, every team has sort of a life cycle that their roster goes through. Um, You know, obviously before Russell Wilson, they were just rebuilding. They like completely redid the the roster. And then when they got Wilson, um, he was on a rookie contract, third round rookie contract. So he's making like 500K a year. And so they basically dumped a bunch of resources into their defense. Um, their defense became very good. Obviously, you know, they drafted extraordinarily well, too. They, they drafted like th- three potential Hall of Famers mm-hmm. in uh, Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, and Earl Thomas in yeah. like a like a couple-year stretch. So obviously they did a great job there. But then they augmented it with Bobby Wagner, you know, Cliff Averill. Uh, sorry, not Bobby Wagner, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, a um, couple other guys that, you know, kind of just helped out. So yeah, I can't forget about Cam Chancellor, one of the great strong safeties of his short era. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they were definitely, you know, they sunk a lot of resources into their defense. They were a very, very extremely good defense for four straight seasons. Um, their def- their offense wasn't bad either, but it was kind of coming along now. Obviously, the, the life cycle of their roster is different because they're paying Russell Wilson $30 million a year now plus. Yeah. And, um you know, their defense is extraordinarily young, I would say. There's a lot of question marks, um, you know, everywhere except for linebacker. And so, yeah, it's it's just a completely different roster construction. The way that they've allocated their resources is totally different. And that's what happens when, you know, you have to pay your quarterback. So um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how it goes. You hear that, Bengals One... fans? That's what happens when you have to pay your quarterback. That's a good point, actually. Um <laughs> But they paid a good one, so I wouldn't be mad. I was going to – an interesting parallel from for the Seahawks and the Bengals, and I think it's uh, – I'm going to blame the Seahawks a little bit for this. But uh, <laughs> last year they drafted Will Disley, who looked like they got a nice steal with him, and he started yeah. off really hot. I think he hurt his knee, was out for the rest of the year. Uh, and then the Bengals, I think, saw that, and it definitely helped them to now their highest drafted available rookie is going to be Drew Sample in round two. Yeah. Uh, but – What's Will Disley, where is he at now in terms of his uh, progress in rehab? And is he expected to be the number one tight end? Are they are they yeah. excited about him again? He tore his patellar tendon, which is obviously in a lot of cases, in the, in, well, historically anyways, it's been a career ender. Um, I think he was, I think he played in like three or four games. Um, and yeah, he, like you said, he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, had a couple huge plays where he, <laughs> I think against the Broncos, I can't remember it was week two or week one or something like that. He had like an 80 yard catch, which was like, who the hell is this guy? Um, but yeah, so he, I think it was in week three or four, he tore his patellar. Um, obviously that sucked, but he's back. He actually caught a touchdown from Russell Wilson in practice. I think today I saw on Twitter. Um, so he's back practicing. He's, he's on track for the season. And it's going to be kind of exciting to see if he can kind of pick up where he left off. He's just one of those guys that, and I mean, I, you know, I don't know if this makes you feel any better, but he and, and Drew Samples seem like carbon copies to me. It's not just yeah. because they both went to Washington. I think they're just both, you know, um, 
big, physical, strong, prototypical tight ends. I think Sample has some natural cat, uh, pass catching ability. Um, you know, I just think in terms of throwback tight end styles, they're they're both very similar. And so, you know, maybe Sample end up panning out. Panning out. Obviously, it's going to be hard to live up to that draft status just because he was expected to go so much later. But um, I actually like Sample a lot. He was in my top yeah. 100 rankings. Whoa. Um, I think he'll end up being a, a quality player and and hopefully he doesn't get hurt in the first year like like Disley did. Yeah, I was look, when looking at uh you know cuz our big thing was the production scores and the production for Drew Sample and Will Disley obviously was a guy who came up coming from you know as a comparable uh coming from the same college where it just seemed like all right you guys block and that's it you may yeah, run a drag yeah. route or or a quick uh a check down on a shallow crosser but you know looking at it and then you, you really don't get a a strong list of comparables to where you can say right. We, well, we hope he's this guy. And one of the guys that I was like, well, maybe if he's Will Disley just off of three and a half games, that sounds pretty <laughs> yeah. good already. I mean, that's I, honestly, I that's who I've always comped him to. He, he just feels like a carbon copy of that guy mm-hmm. to me. So um, I think that's, you know, it's a guy that you can it'll help your offense in the sense that um, he doesn't have to come off the field, whether you're running or, or passing. It doesn't give you any um it doesn't give you away to the defense, and um, you know, obviously, you guys have probably talked a bunch about what to expect from from the offense, Zach Taylor's offense in um, 2019. Is is it going to be that 11 personnel only, or are they going to run more two tight end set stuff? We'll have to see. Um, but you know, in theory, like if you if if the Bengals want to run 11 personnel 96 percent of the time in in the season. Um, He's the kind of guy who can stay on the field whether they're running or passing, and and you know give them that opportunity to kind of like get matchups and stuff like that. Um, obviously, I don't know what the deal and what the plan is with Eifert too. Obviously, it, it, since they re-signed him, it doesn't seem like they're going to run exclusively eleven. But right. um, you know, it, it's to me, I think that's probably why they valued him so highly and why they you know quote reached for him so much that I think they see him as sort of an integral part of what. Taylor wants to uh, install. Am I? I'm getting his name right, Zach Taylor. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. He was that big of reason, unknown, right? For some reason, uh, I get, I get, like, I have a mental block against his name. <laughs> I don't know well, why. Like most of us, you probably just heard unknown. of him in January, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I called him Sean for at least a week. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That Every day for bad. a week. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say, yeah, but we don't know if it's going to be 11 or, tw- or 12. I think to, based on definition, it may look like a 12 a lot, a 12 personnel, because I could see, especially now with Green being out week one, Eifert's yeah. out there running wide receiver routes from the slot. And is that a 12 personnel? Yeah, I guess. But if Eifert's at, you know, split out wide um, and, and running routes. 11. Right, yeah. exactly. So I think we could see that a lot, especially while Green's out. And I, I think of Eifert now in uh Probably his best career game had to be 2015 against the Seahawks. You remember that one? <laughs> Not specific. I, I feel like I remember that game. Is that, that is that was the one Super where you, Bowl? By the way, that so was the game where the, remember you guys it. came back and won it. Like yes. the last, right. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. that I heard a huge game there. <laughs> I'm. Uh, we talked about. Uh, we recorded a podcast for the fantasy football podcast the other day. Um, it's not going to come out for a little bit here, but. Um, we had a Tyler Eifert award for uh, people who just want to, at some point, you just got to give up on them as a fantasy player. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, I'm like 100% all in on Eifert. Like, I can't, oh, okay. can't quit. 
Eifert. I just think he's too good. Please, yeah. God, just let him be healthy this year because uh, he's just one of those guys, like insane mismatch creator, great in the red zone. I really, really hope he can stay healthy. Preaching if he's the there with one of your last couple of picks, you got to take him, right? I mean, yeah, and that's like the last round dart throw type play. And right. it's like the upside is too good, but at some point you got to stop start giving up on a guy that, you know, hasn't. Well, I don't know when was the last time he played more than 2015. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm excited about it. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the Ringers, Danny Kelly, Seattle Seahawks fan, Seattle resident, and now <laughs> national football writer. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text 5STAR to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with 5STAR Painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business. With 5STAR Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a five-star painting owner, you'll be part of the greater Neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Joe and I run our own business to some degree here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and we set all of our own hours, we make all of our own rules, and we have a lot of fun doing it. On top of that, I worked for myself when I lived in Seattle, and I gotta say, reporting to just myself was some of the most enjoyable work experience of my life. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area And we're thankful for them sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we are back with the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Jake and Joe here with our special guest, Danny Kelly. You find him on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Danny, what's the B for? Uh, my middle name is Brawley. Really? Which is a pretty rare name, I guess. It's uh, it's Irish, and it's my father's grandmother's last name. It's like a, it's, it's his middle name, too. It's a family name. So, yeah, it's just passed that's, on. And, that's a pretty awesome name, though. Is that uh, a, thank you. 
Is that a Street Fighter character? <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah. Right. That's what I that's what I think about instantly. But uh, yeah, you're a national writer now, doing and a lot of fantasy stuff. You got your own podcast also, right? Yeah, the Fantasy Football Podcast came back yesterday. Actually, we're doing seven episodes in the in the next couple of weeks and to kind of preview the the fantasy football season. Right. Right. So uh, my, my question then is fantasy. I, I love Joe Mixon this year. And in fact, I think yeah. uh, if the line was even halfway decent, not even, not even bottom five, if, if we even thought the whole line with Jonah Williams and maybe, you know, uh, with Clint Bowling retiring and, and if, if we had a full least starting five that we could trust, <laughs> I, I would right. be like, I'd be slamming Joe Mixon at the end of the first round, but yeah. I can see why why a lot of people have him in the second. And to me, if he's there, I want to take him. You feel as strong about Joe Mixon? Uh, yeah, and I mentioned the draft that I was talking earlier on in the podcast, and I took Mixon late in the second round uh, today, and I was like really shocked to see him still there. I think people are kind of you just you know freaked out, obviously, like you said about the offensive line, the overall offense in general. Um, I think I like him too a lot. I think he's got. Um, incredible potential, not just as a runner, but as a as a pass catcher. I mean, obviously, the easy comparison is is to look at what you know Todd Gurley did in, mm-hmm. in the McVay offense for you know years. And it, but but really, like how they're using him as a on vertical routes, you're like oh the seam, whether they're going to use him on screens, you know, all that stuff. I think that gives him a really good you know potential to kind of um, blossom. I mean, obviously, he's already a, a big fantasy star, but. Um, kind of, you know, go up to the next level. So, yeah, I was super pumped to get him in the second round. I was, like, shocked, in fact, to yeah. get him in the second round. So I'm, I'm also um, shocked. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, the news, it, it, like, it really moves the needle, like, day-to-day. I think, like, yeah. the ADPs on these guys can kind of change day-to-day during training camp. So, or, or, yeah, during preseason training camp. So, yeah, I think Mixon has a lot of potential on that offense as a pass catcher. Um, you know, they're going to, the other thing is, it's. I think a lot of people are looking at sort of his floor or ceiling based on you know the pace at which the Bengals played last couple seasons, and they were one of the yeah. slowest teams. Like they ran the fewest plays. Um, and if you you know you, if you take that and then and pick up the pace and give him more opportunities for fantasy production, it's. I just think there's a lot of potential there. So mm-hmm. um, if they if they run you know, even a few more plays than last couple seasons, it's just going to give him an opportunity to, to kind of go off. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I kind of see last year as his floor at this point. I mean, that's the same, if not worse. I don't know. Maybe it's the same offensive yeah. line. It's very similar anyway. But a system that I think isn't as modern as what they're going to get. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I, I, I like can it. only see improvement. Yeah, it wasn't like the the Bengals offense was a well-oiled machine last year right. and obviously he was, you know, a, a big fantasy factor. So, I'm with you. I think, you know, again, if you if you like if they they're going to pick up the pace so much relative to what they've done last year and the year before and all that. I I assume and and I think that's going to be a part of like just how they improve overall on offense, score more points and all that. And and just one fun tidbit for you that I think we mentioned on the podcast on day one of training camp there were they were running receiver drills split out wide and they had the running backs running receiver routes split out wide and I don't mm-hmm. recall having seen the Bengals do Ever. that a ton before. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to the twenty first century. Love it. Thank it's you. Amazing. It's exciting. Glad to be here. <laughs> we're, we're nineteen years late. 
as the browns i feel like got into the century before the bengals did right are you as high on the browns in this division as everyone else seems to be i mean i think you have to be it's it's funny because so many people are talking about their offense and i think rightly so obviously adding odell beckham into an offense that was really really good down the stretch with mayfield and and Freddie Kitchens, and they added Todd Monken, which kind of makes a fun air raid wrinkle to everything. Obviously, they did a lot of interesting things schematically last season on offense, but I, th- I mean, their defense, too, is kind of flying under the radar. Miles um, Garrett is, is one of those guys that has a chance to take a big jump to um, defensive player of the year type caliber numbers, and then obviously they added Sheldon Richardson on the inside, which basically no one is talking about. Yeah. Um, at least not in, in my sort of circle. I just haven't heard much about that at all. Um, and then Olivier Vernon, who is, I think, still a very good pass rusher. So they're going to have a very good kind of bookend pass rush team there. And then and then Ogunjobi and, and Richardson are two good pass rushing interior defensive linemen. So um, their pass rush group, I think, is going to be really good. And then Denzel Ward, you know, on track to be an elite cornerback. Getting Greedy Williams in the second round is feels like a steal. It's going to be interesting to see if he fits really in kind of what they do defensively. But um, if they're going to allow him to like press and things like that, which is like, I think what he's better at, um, I think that'll bode well for them. And and they could potentially, you know, take a big jump on, on defense. And they got Mac Wilson at linebacker who I was pretty low on actually, but a lot of people saw him as like a fringe first rounder. So they got him in the fifth round. And um, that was more kind of in the range that I felt that he would go or he should have gone. But um, you know, there's a lot of people who think he just had a bad season last year and he was a potential first rounder. So, you know, they've got a lot of talent on that team. Baker Mayfield, um, I think is, is his trajectory is to be a superstar if he, if he isn't already. And so that obviously, you know, just raises their profile, raises their potential. And so, yeah, I think they're, it's still the Browns. So there's a million caveats. There's a lot of, you know, you got to like take it with a grain of salt, of course. But yeah, there are, there are potential. They're obviously, I think, a playoff contender and, and you know, maybe more. What, speaking of linebackers and Mac Wilson, the Seahawks drafted two linebackers in Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvin. Ben Burkirvin was a huge favorite of this podcast. Any initial reports on him in camp? How's he doing? Um, haven't heard much about uh, Ben Ben Burkirvin yet. He, I don't actually, you know, to be honest, I don't know if he's practiced yet. Um, he yeah. might be on the pop, or he's not on the pop. Actually, I'm looking at it right now, but um, have not heard much about him. What I have heard is Cody Barton has looked outstanding, um, which is interesting because I hadn't really, to be totally honest with you, I hadn't heard a whole lot about him. So um, when they took him in the third round, I was like, oh, I, that's interesting. And, and so I didn't really know much about him. And um, you kind of dig into him a little bit and you see why they like him. He's big and, and tall and kind of like good in coverage and all that. But the, the reviews from training camp, um, I think Barton's been one of kind of the stars of training camp so far. So that's kind of something to monitor going forward. I don't, he's not, I, I, he doesn't have a like good track to starting with Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright in front of him clearly. Um, but you know, that's kind of like down the line. I think KJ Wright's on a two year deal. He could end up being their, their sort of Sam linebacker, the weak side linebacker. And, and, um, so he's, he's been really good. I think, I don't know what their plan is because they've got a really deep linebacker core. Um, I'm not sure what their plan is with Burke Curvin. He might just be a special teamer in year one. 
Cody Barton's a guy we talked about a lot because, yeah. and Ben Burkirvan, but uh, the Bengals had interest in, in Barton. They ultimately took Jermaine Pratt over him in the third round, so mm-hmm. Barton's going to be a guy we're going to look at. But, uh, yeah, he was ranked, I mean, we had Ben Burkirvan, um, Cashman, and Pratt in the second tier of linebackers, and the next okay. guy was Cody Barton for us, as we liked nice. him in the third, fourth round range. So uh, definitely someone we're going to keep an eye on from the outside. I like Pratt a lot, actually. He was he was a guy that really stood out to me when I was going through my draft prep stuff, and um, so that's exciting. I think he's one of those guys. He's like really tall, long, athletic. Um, he the way that he takes on blocks is a little bit weird. Like he's really upright, um, but I think you could probably kind of just coach him up on that, and that's just one thing. But I think he he showed a lot of like sort of natural instincts as a linebacker. So I was I was pretty high on Pratt too. And he only played one year at linebacker, so it wouldn't surprise me if some of that stuff takes a little bit of time to totally. crystallize. Yeah. yeah, totally. He was a safety before that, right? Yeah. 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 And, he, and he missed a year with – I don't even remember what the injury was, but he missed a year with a bad injury. Yeah. So Was like it a bad that. injury or did he just take a year off after getting injured? I remember it was something weird. Oh, I, I, could, I, I could be thinking of a different prospect. I, I thought he just missed but. a year because he, cause he had a bad injury. Ah, okay. Sorry, that's us just ranting. No, you don't actually Google it. You take another sip of your drink and you go on to the next topic. (laughs) Joe belongs in the 1980s. (laughs) With the Bengals. Yeah. Joe, you're not welcome in the 21st century. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here. Our team's in the 21st century now. Catch up. I'm left behind. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, I think – you know, back to the the Browns just a little bit. Like it, the NFC North to me is is a very fascinating division because I think the Browns have a ton of potential, and I think that the Ravens are a super interesting team as well. Obviously, they are, they are. the de- defending division champions, so I, you have to consider them kind of as a repeat potential kind of team. Adding Earl Thomas, I think, could be an amazing, you know, X factor for that defense, which was already great. Um, but I mean, like after watching Earl Thomas for however many years, seven or eight years in Seattle, um, he legitimately changes just the whole dynamic of a defense. And so um, the Ravens are another super interesting team. Um, the Steelers are the Steelers. And so, yeah, it's, it's I mean, especially with the injury situation, it's going to be tough for the Bengals to compete. But, you know, they've just they've got that track history of being so competitive, like every single year, obviously not last year, but um the NFC North or the AFC North, I should say, is looks like a typically you know tough, going to be like a slog division. So it's going to be fun to watch. One quick one, then the Ravens to me were interesting until I started to see camp reports of, oh yeah, we're going to run Lamar Jackson, we're going to have a Greg Roman style run game where everything and everything's on the table, anything and everything's on the table, and they're going to mix it up pre-snap and and show a lot of formations and different motions. And I mean, we're if that's if that if they're building the offense around Lamar Jackson, we haven't seen that really a, a commitment from a team do that. But uh, where are you taking, or where should we be looking at Jackson in, in fantasy because of that rushing ability is is rare. I mean, yeah, and it makes his floor incredibly high. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know I don't know off the top of my head what his ADP is, but he's low. I believe he's in the hundreds somewhere still, and um, he has that potential to just you know like be the cam newton style guy who just like takes the takes the fantasy world by storm kind of thing um i think harbaugh said something like they mentioned i think it was like 139 rush attempts was cam newton has the most 
that was the record and, and or i don't know I, I can't remember exactly what the quote was but he was like take the over like they're gonna yeah. run him a lot um you know, I think they're they're building that in their plan. I love. I've always I've been a longtime fan of Greg Roman since the days he was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they run power and then they mix that together with the read option stuff. I mean, you know, Perfect. obviously um, they did that with Kaepernick. And, and as a Seahawks fan in the in the in the heyday of the Seahawks 49ers rivalry, I was terrified of Kaepernick as a runner. He was amazing, and um, so yeah, I mean, like. I think Jackson's faster than Kaepernick. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they build that offense. Um, they're going to be one of the most fun teams, I think, to watch. It's it's obviously a big risk, you know, because Jackson is not built like Kaepernick. He's not built like Cam Newton. Um, he's he's spindly or whatever you want to call him. But um, he's incredibly fast. I think he just needs to learn to slide. And if he can do that, um, there's a huge amount of potential there. I mean, if you look at their their quarterback depth chart they're 100 percent committed to this i mean they yeah. got robert griff as his backup i think he just got hurt but it's not like a long-term injury and then trace mcsorley who they drafted in the sixth round they're committed to this and so um yeah it's gonna be kind of fun to watch last question joe and i went through the schedule and set an over under for the bengals win total at six and a half what are you taking <laughs> oh man I hate to do it. Well, let's see. Six and a half. That's a pretty, that's like a really good over under. Um, this was before AJ Green got hurt in our defense. So that might actually yeah. change it a little bit. I bet it's six or five and a half now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would probably like circle six. So I, I guess I have to take the under, but um, there's just a lot of wild cards when it comes to the Bengals this year. Like, what's that offense going to look like? Um, Ken Taylor sort of. Um, get more out of Andy Dalton. I, I mean, I like your guys' defense is good. Like, there's there's some really good players on that defense. Secondary's good. Um, there's some really intriguing pass rushers on that team, obviously. So, you know, anything is possible. Um, but it is a very, very difficult division. I think that's kind of why I look at, like, six as sort of the – or what I would guess right now. I think that's fair. We, we're, yeah. I think, two and two. We've had two guests take the over, which I think was Mike Renner and – Oh, that's I interesting. Remember. And Evan Silva took the under. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, that's right. Maybe Evan McPhillips. Evan McPhillips, also a PFF guy, but also a Bengals fan, took the over. So so PFF is high on the Bengals. They are, because they're in Cincinnati. That's I don't know nice. if they're high on the Bengals, <laughs> and this was before A.J. Green got hurt. I think they're just like, the talent is there. and so, Are they just afraid of Chris Collinsworth? Like, yeah, mad at them or 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, no, I I get that. I mean, like, like I said, I think the defense has a ton of talent, and the offense is a bunch of X factor guys like John Ross, Eifert. There's so many X factors on that offense, and so you know anything can happen. The NFL is weird, and the NFL is crazy. So that's actually like that's like the fun of it, you know. So it's gonna be fun to watch. Do, do you watch a lot of Washington football up there? Uh, not during the season. No, like I I catch up on it. A lot when I'm doing prospect work, but Mm -hmm. to be totally honest, I'm typically like I was going to ask your thoughts on Ross. You know, obviously we've we've had a bumpy road and some disappointment for the first two years, but he caught seven touchdowns last year and flashed at least. Um, A lot of fans are, but injury wise aside, a lot of fans think he's just a deep threat. And I've tried to argue that man, he was so much more than that that last year at Washington. Do you remember what you recall? Yeah, no, I, I remember. I mean, obviously. 
like you said, he's an explosive score anywhere on the from on the field kind of, kind of guy, and he had tons of touchdowns at Washington. But, um, you know, what I remember just from watching him is that, like, corners would be very – like, they play off of him because he has that speed. And so he was actually pretty dangerous underneath on slants and, um, you know, things like that. Like, not to – compare him necessarily to Paris Campbell but you know he was he was good around from what I remember around the line of scrimmage and, and plays like that where he could kind of make things happen after the catch and stuff like that so yeah um I don't think he's one-dimensional I would I'm you know obviously they thought they didn't think so either when they picked him so high what was he eighth overall or something ninth, like that yeah ninth yeah and so um it's been pretty shocking to see him struggle so much but I guess the one I get, you know, like one thing you could look at is like what happened with uh, Nelson Aguilar in in the Philly, like where he just lost all his confidence, um, you know, got in his head, and then by his third year, he completely like broke yeah. out. And so Once Doug Peterson got there and got their offense going. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And so, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'm not giving up hope. I actually am taking him. He's he's a, for me. He's a late round dart throw kind of guy, last round dart throw kind of guy because I still sort of believe in him. Um, you know, obviously it's not a great start that he's hurt already with his hamstring injury, but, um, isn't that what happened? I think he got a hamstring injury. Tight hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a great start, but you know, I, I'm still somewhat a believer and I, it, it is kind of, it has flown under the radar a little bit that he scored seven touchdowns last year. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think there's hope. I think when you look at the receiver position in general um, in the NFL lately, a lot of guys are taking quite a bit longer to develop and, and, and figure out how to get, um, you know, on the same page with quarterbacks and timing and all that in the NFL. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's a really high profile guy in, in terms of his inability to adapt to the NFL, but there's a lot of guys that are sort of in the same boat as him, you know, and, and I think that he's still got a chance to break out. So um, yeah, I'm kind of still bullish on him. I think we are too to some degree so it's nice to hear another opinion <laughs> that's uh kind of hopeful for john ross <laughs> i like a lot of like there's a i threw in a lot of kindas and sortas <laughs> i i do realize that but we're, we're but the like, same I'm, way though <laughs> I mean, there, there, there has to be some reservation <laughs> i mean yeah yeah there, there's tons of caveats but um yeah. i don't think it's too late i don't think you need to give up complete hope and so you know the the bengals showed uh confidence in him and and obviously there was the trade rumors early in the offseason and the, the combine he was like i think duke tobin or i don't know who was tobin or whoever said we're not trading him like that's bs or whatever so right. um they're showing confidence in him and i think that's good well yeah. they may not have a choice now that green's down you know you kind of need him <laughs> well i mean there's the theory that he could play sort of the brandon cook's role in that offense right like as the field stretching yeah. kind yeah. of guy that opens and- things up for people and so yeah and it looked like he was in mini camps and OTAs. He was on the jet motions and sweeps behind the line and running the deep crossers. And I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. watching the Rams offense, yeah. and that's what I'm doing for the athletic this this past month. And I'm like, that's what they're doing with him. He's he's playing the Brandon Cooks role. Yeah, and they haven't. And I think Taylor hasn't really. He's not tried to hide the fact that they're going to run the Rams offense. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's not going to be the exact Rams offense. That. Yeah, but it's it's. Didn't he say like they're bringing the Rams offense as the base of their playbook. And then yeah. they're going to kind of like, you know, obviously tweak, tweak it from there, but yeah, they're not, I mean, it is exciting to kind of think about him in that role. So um, if they, if they end up doing that where they're running him and, and doing a lot of um, 
deception laterally and you know vertically i think that could you know pay dividends for the whole offense in general i think we just found a way to talk ourselves into getting excited with every <laughs> skill position on the Bengals because <laughs> we didn't even mention tyler boyd at all and i think he's a perfect fit in like the cooper cup and i think he can do some robert woods things too but we don't have yeah. to get into that well, I'm, a, I'm a big Boyd fan too, for the record, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was really cool to see him. And, and I mean, there you go. That's another perfect example. Didn't he break out in his third year? Three. So there's a perfect example too. Like I, I remember liking him a lot coming out of Pitt, and um, he did not do anything his first couple of years, and so it felt like the 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 pre-draft scouting report that he was too slow and all that was like true. And then he just turned into he just like something. The light went on, you know. He just figured it out. Um, and I remember watching him last year. He was just like automatic on third downs. Andy Dalton was finding him. Um, he was looking to him like, you know, number one target, his go-to guy. And so, yeah, I think, you know, um, sometimes it just takes a while for these guys to figure it out. In the NFL, obviously, you know, there's a ton of pressure, and it doesn't always just work out. Injuries always exacerbate all that too. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely still hope. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Danny. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to exchange some very pointed insults about each other's teams. <laughs> that was probably my favorite part. I don't know why I opened up with that. I, I, I'm not normally such a dick. I wasn't but, even yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight to the heart. <laughs> jugular. Uh, I apologize for so much Seahawks talk as well. I'm sure you're... No, you're, we wanted that. That's our well, week one opponent. So. <laughs> All right, well, cool. We're getting ready. All right. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate <laughs> right, thanks, it. Hopefully we have you on sometime again in the future. It was fun. Absolutely. Take care, buddy. You guys too. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.